you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Next week, y'all, I'm starting a new series called Name Changer Equals Game Changer. And I'm telling you, all I can say is bring somebody. You're going to grow. Come on, let's grow together. And if you bring somebody, I promise you they're going to grow. I have challenged myself, myself with this one, and it's going to be a good one. So bring somebody with you. You know, everybody likes to talk. You, you get your favorite restaurant, I guarantee you, you're going to put on the restaurant. Oh, everybody needs to try this place. You want everybody to try it. You want everybody to eat it and enjoy it like you do. If you love Catalyst and you get something out of this and you love the people and what God is doing here, you should be putting us out there just like you do that restaurant in town. I knew I wasn't going to get amens on that. But I'm going to tell you, bring somebody. Name changer equals game changer. And I'm ready to transition. Now it's time for the roller coaster. Y'all ready? Will you stand to your feet with me? Catafam, if you haven't already, in person, online, will you share this video? Just put all in so we can reach and love some people together. We probably should have said that several times before now. So you can make make up for my negligence. Y'all ready? Say this with me. Say reset. Say it one more time. Say reset. reset. Online, drop a comment. Say it with me again, Catalyst. I lied more than one more time. Say reset. 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 When you break a bone, I'm talking to you for a minute. Just stand to your feet just for a couple minutes. I promise I'll let you sit eventually. When you break a bone, reset. they have to set it. They have to set it. Oh, I like it. Keep, keep it going because that's good. That's good. When you break a bone, they have to set it. No, 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 no. no. I, I, t- I like it though, man. This is good problems to have. When I'm all up here serious and y'all staring at me with slobber coming out your mouth and I got teenagers asleep, that makes me feel like I need to just go home. You set a bone, you have to set it correctly so it can grow back correctly. I've been up, I've stayed up all night one time and watched doctors stay up all night setting and resetting a severely broken bone and it was awful and painful to watch. Sure, it was even worse to, to experience, but worse than that, is if a bone is not set properly, um, it begins, it, can, it, it develops defects and can cause pain throughout your entire body. Say it with me, say reset. reset. I want you to know this, God is a God of reset. God will shake things apart in your life. He will break things apart. He will take the, take the, uh, he will take the rug out from under you and he does it because he loves you and because he wants to reset you. He, I'm telling you, I'm, I want you to see it today. Say it with me, say reset. And when it happens, because it's going to happen to all of us, when it happens, I want you to remember this and I want you to repeat this after me right now. Say, God is intentional. intentional. Online, drop that comment because it's important. Say, God is intentional. The world is in a reset right now. Period. Everybody's afraid, angry, lonely, disconnected, never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, Hopefully never will again. The world is in a reset. Uncertain, scared, Church is in a reset. If you look at the church in America, uh, uh, churches that are doing really well and growing are running about 50 to 60% of their pre-COVID in-person attendance. And that's churches that are really doing something. The church is in a reset. You are in a reset. Many of you are tired, stressed out, anxious. Some of you are broke. Some of you are broken. You're frustrated. And I want you to know this. God will shut doors in your life. He will end seasons. He will end relationships. He will, make your, he will cause your mistakes to reset you. Resets 
are an opportunity, an opportunity to refocus, an opportunity to refocus. And God will renew and reset your life if you will quit fighting him. Will you raise your hands with me right now? Lord, you said through the prophet, you said through the prophet Jeremiah that you are the potter, we are the clay. And you said that pottery doesn't talk back, it just desires to be molded. Will you say this with me, catalyst online in person, say, mold me, Lord. Mold me, Lord. Say, reset me, Lord. Oh, that's a hard one to say, but if it's his will, say, reset me. Lord, we want to be molded by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you, number one, tell two people around you, say, God will isolate you. Tell it right now. Then give him a round of praise as you're seated. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Thank you, Lord, to speak through my craziness and help us make, make, some, make some better shots. Make some better shots. Make some better shots. I want to take you guys, if we can kind of still ourselves. I know any mamas in the room, any babies or anything, anything you need, to, you need to go out. I want you to know anybody with a name tag will help you find a place, what you need. We're here for you. And if you need to go, we got nursing mother's room. We, had to, we got two of them now because we got some, a lot of babies in the room. But we're, this is a time we're going to settle ourselves where we're going to focus in. And we want that for you too. I want to take you to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm just going to take, yeah, we got a lot of babies in place. I want to take you to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to teach for a minute. Can I do that? Can I teach? This stuff is good. Like, y'all, I have taught this passage. I've been preaching a long time now. I've taught this several times, and I've never really taught it and done it justice like I want to do it today. So I'm going to teach for a minute. Um, and I'm telling you, it's some stuff that I really never saw in the story, and I think we've honestly not made what this passage Really is. We've missed some things and we've not made it what it needs to be. So can we kind of st- settle down? And y'all ready? Tell somebody I want to be challenged. Let me challenge First Kings chapter 19. I'm going to grab some water before we jump into this because I don't want to get so dry. I'm up here. Look, I got foam coming out my mouth. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So what happened was in chapter 18, what had happened was in chapter 18, uh, Elijah had this great moment where he called fire down from heaven, put on a fireworks show and uh, proved the prophets of Baal, uh, the, the, the people of Ahab, he proved to the real MVP was it was the God of Israel. It was this great moment. And Jezebel, who was one of the rulers of Ahab, finds out what happened to her prophets. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So Elijah is coming off one of the greatest victories of his ministry. Still, one of the greatest victories, you know, because I'm going to tell you, resets happen in your life when you're winning a lot more than you think. Because when you're winning in life and things are going well, you let your guard down, you think you got it figured out, you think you got your crap together, and that's when you're vulnerable and God has to reset your life. A lot of times when you think you got, you think you got it going on, I'm, I, got it, I got my feet under me. And so he thinks, man, that, I, mean, I mean, literally, greatest, one of his greatest victories, he's like, hey, he was probably expecting uh, the prophets, of, he was probably expecting to convert the entire court the entire country um, to the God of Israel. But that's not what happened. Elijah, Elijah, um, Jezebel was embarrassed, pissed off. 
She wasn't impressed. He uh, embarrassed her and her prophets. So what he said, she said is, I'm gonna put a bounty out on his head. I want him dead within the next day or, the, or my gods are gonna deal with me severely. You ever had that happen in your life where what you meant to happen, what you wanted to happen didn't happen at all, what you were believing for? Matter of fact, you ever, I ever had some people that like, you were like Job when he said the thing I feared the most came upon me. Like what you wanted was the exact opposite of what you got. This is Elijah. This is what happened. And Jezebel sends a messenger to tell him what we know is if she wanted just to kill him, she would have killed him. But instead, she sends a messenger. She sends a messenger to intimidate him, to try to embarrass him and shake him like he did their prophets. You miss that if you don't really watch close. So Elijah in chapter 18 faced a lot of prophets, made him look foolish and was this man of great faith. In chapter 19, he gets a threat by Jezebel and he goes from a man of faith to fleeing, running for his life. Down, out. Beersheba, it said he ran to Beersheba. Beersheba was about an 80 mile trip. Now he didn't go the next door. He didn't run to his friend's house. He didn't run to find his nearest friend. In fact, he ran to Beersheba. That's an 80-mile trip with his servant. He drops his servant off, and we're going to see in a second he runs more. He runs deeper into the wilderness. What he is doing is he is running, and the wilderness is for hiding. He runs. He hides. This man who literally performed a miracle that probably none of us have ever seen is now running for his life in the next chapter. Don't judge him. You do it all the time. We all do. You run from your feelings, men mostly and women. You run from your responsibilities. You run, you run from uh, your hard conversations and hard choices. Your pride and coping mechanisms are a way of running. We all run. You've been sitting at home, a lot of people scared the last two years, stirring up stuff and, and starting stuff because you're insecure. You're lonely, you're disconnected, you've lost yourself, we run. And before you know it, you were so far from where you were, where you should be in the will of God that you don't even know what to do. Elijah ran. He ran 80 miles and then dropped his servant off and kept running into the wilderness. Y'all ready? Verse four says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. This man who had the faith in his ministry to speak to the rain to stop for three and a half years and started the rain back by just praying was now bowing down under a tree, begging God to take his life. And I want you to notice because we are just as we are just as unstable, we are just as manic as anybody else. This looks different in your life than your neighbor that you like to talk about. Notice what he says. He says, I'm no better than my fathers. Okay? Hang with me. That's a statement of inferiority. I'm a failure. 
I'm no better than my father's. I'm no, because all of us, every one of your defects, every one of your insecurities, no matter what it looks like, they all trace back to the same thing, unworthiness and inferiority. Elijah has run so far, he is scared, he is broken, he's begging God to die. And how does he put it? The same way we do in, in language, he says, I am a failure. I am insignificant. I am no better than anybody that came before me. And this is why. When somebody is at a place that they're willing to take their life, it's because they are sold on the fact that the world is better off without them, that after the world grieves, it'll be better. You walk into your job, into your schools with your head down because you feel inferior. You, you, don't, you are a great athlete, some of you, but you don't play, with, don't play with confidence because you truly feel inferior to somebody that doesn't play the game as well as you. They're just more confident than you. Some of you, you can't even get married or you get married and you get divorced 17 times. It's not because, it's because you truly feel inferior and when you feel inferior, you live inferior. Elijah says, God, take my life because I'm no better than anybody else. That unworthiness is where all of our crazy and our, and our chaos and the things that cripple us come from. And this man went from, I'm in tune with you to I'm running with everything I got. Verse five. Oh, excuse me. He says, take my life. God says, no. Not only does God say, no, I want you to say, this is something crazy. You know, Elijah's one of the few people, we're going to say it later, that never died. God said, uh-uh, you're not going to die. He made a spectacle. He never died. God said, no, 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 you're not going to die. Paul, uh, God told the apostle Paul when whatever tormented him, Paul, whatever the thorn in his flesh was, he says it was a demon sent to torment him. And God, he said, take it from me. Beg God three different times, probably for days and hours. This ain't no five-minute prayer. And God says, no, Paul, I will not take it from me for my power is made in, 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 my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is enough for you, Paul. There's some things in your life that God is resetting and you were begging him to give you. You're begging him to take it away from you. You have run. You have, you have resisted. You have withheld. You have went inward. I don't know what it looks like in your life. I don't know what it looks like. But God is saying, no, I'm not taking it away from you. I'm not giving it to you. Not now or, not, or maybe not ever. I'm not going to take that sickness away from you. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you, he is in your situation, he is in your season, and he is in your, he's in your sickness, he's in whatever struggle and shortage you are in, and God is telling you, you're begging him, and he's not doing anything about it, he's probably telling you, no, not now, say it with me, say reset. Reset. God is saying, I'm doing a work in your life, and you may not like it, but it's what I'm doing. I'm resetting your life and we're going to see it. It's because he loves you, not because he wants to punish you. And Elijah is begging him to die and God's saying no. And we're going to see later that Elijah actually never died. Verse five, it says, then he laid down. Man, I love this story. He laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked over and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, he ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Check this out, strengthened by that food, one meal. Strengthened by one meal, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain, the mountain of God. 
This is a biblical example of depression. You've been in it. You've probably been in it before. You're up, down, eating, sleeping, up, unproductive, all over the place, but nowhere. What's he to see? Number one, the heart of God. He's right there with him. He's providing for him, his physical needs. He's got food for him. But then there comes a time, and I want you to know whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever crossroads you were at, there comes a time. There comes a time where it's time to move. It's time to get up. It's time to get back to some consistency that you had before. Get up. And God says, Elijah, get up. He says, I need you to eat because you need strength. Mount Horeb was a 40-mile journey because it was a 40-day journey because it was a 200-mile walk. One meal gave him the strength and, I, and God said, hey, time to eat and get rolling. And he had to move on one meal 200 miles. Whatever God has given you will be enough when you begin to trust him, obey him, and move. Whatever you have, you may not think you have enough. I don't know what it is in your life. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in lack. The Lord is my shepherd. But you will not see that God is your source until you trust him with all your resources. You will not truly see it. God isolated Elijah. He ran so far away from where he should be. This man, he ran so far away and God isolated him to show him that he was enough. And I'm going to tell you, you will stay broke. You will stay stressed. You will stay scared. You will stay scarred. You will stay stuck. You will stay whatever. I could make this preachy and give a bunch of S words or D words or B words or whatever I need to get. Because I'm going to tell you, whatever it is, it's not good. You will stay there until you decide to move and be faithful. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. From money to your marriage, if you don't step out with what you don't think is enough, you're never truly going to see that it's enough. Elijah had to make a choice when he said... When God said move, he had to walk, and he walked 40 days, 200 miles alone, him and the Lord, That's right. on one meal. Well, y'all get hungry five minutes after you. Don't play with me. We're Americans. You, you last January, the, the diet people make all the money. By February, the fast foods are the kings again. You will never truly experience that God is enough until you actually make him enough and move. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know what areas it is, but God is trying to reset you. And the only way to reset you is to isolate you, to put you in a position where the relationship falls apart, where your finances fall apart, where your marriage is on the rocks, to put you in a position where your kids are acting crazy, to put you in a position where your job, you hate it. I don't know what it is, but I know that God will isolate you to reset your life. Look at the world we're living in. Everybody's feeling isolated. The question is, what do you do with it? But it even gets better, y'all. Verse 9, it says, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? I want you to hear me. Hear me right now. Mount Horeb, Mount Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai. If you know anything about Mount Sinai, if you read the Bible much, Mount Sinai is where God met Moses, met with Moses. A commentary I read this week, I, had to, I dusted out my old seminary commentaries. Uh, he said, a writer said, there may be no spot on earth more associated with the presence of God than Mount Sinai. And notice 
God, he ran so far in the wrong direction. God reset him, redirected him to Mount Sinai, okay? He is about to experience God in the same place that Moses experienced him. Watch this. One scholar said this, this cave that God led him to may well have been the very rock, the very cleft of rock where God first appeared to Moses. God is intentional. Because he, in order to reset him, he reminds him of where he came from. Jesus says, Jesus speaks of Moses a lot because Moses was the greatest leader in the Old Testament. And God brought him back to the same place where he met with Moses to remind him nothing has changed, Elijah. This is where you came from and you've gotten a long way away from it. Trust me, I've lived 36 years. I've gotten mine, may, my mess may look different than you. I've, got, I've been on this stage preaching stuff that I'm passionate about, but it is not the main thing. I have preached long enough to know that I've got away from some content and I had to get back to it and repent. I don't know what it looks like for you, but God took him to Mount Sinai to reset him. He made him, it was months of loneliness where this man cowered it out, but God loved him enough to reset him in this broken season to take him back to the place where his people, where it all took off and started. God is trying to take you back to some places, gravitate you back to some places and some things you got away from and he took him to Mount Sinai to do it. Because he loves you. He loves you too much to leave you the same. He loves you too much to leave you the same. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like a daddy. All my daddy's in the place, you tell the kids, why would I teach you this lesson? Why do you think I did this? Why are you here, Elijah. It wasn't a negative. It was, hey, Elijah, know where we're at right now? He replied, I have been very zealous. This is Elijah. This is, he's still talking. He still is, he is so American right here, y'all. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. How many people, right, they get defensive. They're like, I didn't do anything. You know what I've done for you, God? We're all entitled. You're gonna criticize me? What have I, what have I done for you? The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, God. Now they're trying to kill me too. He says, God, what's even the point? All my people that you've lost hope in people because the last two years, let's face it, I have never seen a time where people have been so messy that ministry has been so hard, that your day-to-day work is so hard that people have lost their character, they have lost your respect, you've had to burn bridges and set boundaries and people have burned you. All I know is some of you, I've heard you say it, I've heard, I've said it, losing hope in humanity. That's what Elijah was saying. Israel's turned on you. They've killed all the prophets, I'm the only one left. I'm alone, God. Yeah, me and you were up here in Mount Sinai, but what's the point? I'm alone. You're all I got. Think about how ridiculous this conversation is. He was still here. Jezebel didn't kill him. Jezebel said 24 hours, all these months later, he's up there still hiding. It's like God wanted the silence to tell him, hey, your fear's the reason you're killing yourself. Fears were why you're still up here hiding in the mountain. Jezebel said she's gonna kill you in 24 hours. It's all these months later, you're still up here hiding. 
You're sitting at home, popping off at everybody, ruining relationships. I'm going to tell you, you're going to sit at home scared and you're going to stop disconnecting. I'm going to tell you, this virus is ugly. And sure, I'm not discounting it. But at some point, we've got to be human again because the worst thing than, than losing our life to a virus is losing our life to not living. And the silence, Elijah's ridiculous right now. I'm alone. No, you're not. Catalyst, you want me to show you proof you're not alone? You're right here. You shouldn't even be here. Some of you shouldn't be in the position you are. You may not be in the position you want. But man, if you were in the position you should be, my God, look at your life. You could be dead. You could be up there in the, in the asylum or prison for some of you. What you came out of, what you grew up in, don't play with me. Elijah's like, Elijah's like, I'm alone. No, you're not. Look, you're right here and I'm not, I'm with you. What's killing you is the the reason you're up here hiding on a mountain. The reason you aren't living isn't Jezebel, it's you. Jezebel can't kill you. She said 24 hours, she looks like a fool. She did to you what you did to them and you let her. Online, I'm telling you, there's some people you're scared to come back to church. You know you need to be at church. I don't have to tell you, you know it. You need to go back to your job and start connecting with people again. Wear the mask, be respectful. But I mean, my God, we gotta be human. Elijah, God is letting Elijah tell on himself. Here's what happens. He isolates him, right? Because this is the moment he had to reset him. Elijah, it was clear he needed to encounter God again. This man had lost himself. And a lot of you, you've lost yourself. You've lost your love. You've lost your, your, you've lost, you're so skeptical. You're not just skeptical, skeptical towards people. You're skeptical towards him. You come in this church and you see all this hype and the first thing you do, you're like, Psh, please. Bet they're as fake as the next church. That skepticism. That's what he said. Oh, everybody's gone. Elijah had lost himself. Hey, at some point, you gotta be accountable for the mistakes you made. You've lost yourself. I'm telling you, last year was a grieving time for me because I realized some things I got away from. It doesn't have to be immoral to be unhealthy. And God says, it's time for you to experience me again. So here's what happens. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Oh, I love this. Y'all, we need this. You need this. And it happens intentionally. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, still small voice, peace. When Elijah heard this, he pulled, he pulled his cloak over his head because he knew that was God. And he went out and stood on the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, now it's the challenge. What are you doing here, Elijah? God isolated him. He took himself so far away from where God wanted him to be and where God was working in his life. And God loved him enough to isolate him and to reset him. And God says, Elijah, go out to the cave and I'm gonna pass you by. He wasn't in the madness. He wasn't. I'm gonna tell you, you will not find God in the madness. Not your madness, not the madness. You find him in the peace. 
We're fasting next month because we want to isolate ourselves so that we can find him and he doesn't have to isolate us as much. We actually make ourselves obedient before we have to. We want God before he makes us realize we want him. That's what fasting is, y'all. And I'm going to tell you straight up, He says, I'm not in all that. I'm not in the fights you've been picking in your family and on social media. I'm not in the insecurities that you've been reacting and you've been constantly, your life, been reacting to your insecurities and the drama. Everybody, when I, I don't like drama Well, you're addicted to it because you constantly react and set yourself up for it. God is saying, Elijah, I'm not in that. I'm in the peace. Get yourself together right here because my peace is available to you. My presence is available to you. You need to rediscover and reconnect me I love you too much to leave you the same say it with me say reset reset that peace and that presence is available to you young people at your schools I don't care what the culture expect the culture is what they say you should be or shouldn't be you define who you are by his will and by his love you walk in and you hold your head high if you dress like me or if you dress like one of them jokers with skinny jeans that I couldn't even fit in if they were my size I don't care what you wear I don't care what you look like I don't care what the scale says when you begin to lift your head up and you seek him he's in the peace he's not in your insecurity he will find you there but his promise is not there Elijah you gotta find me again you gotta find me again and there are seasons that we all God wants to isolate us and hey he'll let you go even further away to isolate you so that you'll come back he'll isolate you my single years you know I joke a lot about, about my slump I call it a slump all the time if you've been here long enough. It wasn't a slump, by the way. I always talk about fifth grade, almost 29 years old. I never even got a girl that wanted to be anything more than a friend. I always talk crack Ryan Reynolds jokes, slump. Wasn't a slump. God is intentional. He isolated me. He protected me. He preserved me. In those seasons, he, I'm investing in you things that he invested in me in that long, stressful, lonely, broken-hearted season that there was a lot more going on than single. He invested things in me that I'm investing in you that if it hadn't been for that season wouldn't be inside of me because he loved me too much to leave me the same. You didn't get the promotion? He didn't want you to have the promotion. And if he did, he'll give you a better one if you're faithful right now and get yourself together and start working and quit undermining your boss and talking crap because of insecurities. They broke up with you. They cheated on you. They rejected you. I don't, hey, whether it's a boyfriend or whether it's a, whether you dated them or married to them 70,000 years, listen to me. If they broke up with you, if they left you, God hasn't left you and he's got a reason. He wants to reset your life. Hey, they may, you may not get the promotion because they are, he, God is blinding them to your abilities and what you bring to the table because there's somebody else down the road that's going to see them and utilize you and the ceiling is going to be so much higher. But I'm telling you, God will isolate you. I am so thankful that God allowed me to be single and I can tell you comical stories about Valentine's Day until you think I was 80 years old and single I am thankful because I needed it I'm better for it because I found him in the peace in the silence in the loneliness don't be afraid of it embrace it he will reset you I was not a full-time pastor until I was uh, 32 years old about not too far from a year and a half into here, into Catalyst. And that some people are like, well, you know, a lot of pastors don't go full-time then. I worked at Walmart 13 and a half years, and half of those, I was either done or almost done with all three of my degrees. It's a long story, 
doesn't matter. Longer season. I accrued a lot of debt being faithful in a season that I just, that was what God wanted me to do. And I'm better because of it. God will shut doors of premature opportunities and promises in your face to isolate you. I'm going to tell you, some of you that are late to the party, because we've got a lot of people that are older that found Jesus later, or you found God in your marriage and marriages that are older, but, God, but you found him later in your marriage. Listen to me. The promise is still just as good. The process doesn't speed up just because you found him later. You better be faithful because he's going to shut some things in, in your face because you're not ready for him. You just think you are. You better quit panicking because panic will cause you to make as bad of mistakes as you did before you found him. God is isolating you. He wants to invest some things in you and you need it. This world needs it. You're angry at God over something that he's doing because he loves you. We need to reset. This world, the church, I'm telling you, the church has got, the church in America has gotten away from some of the simple things because we're out there fighting, talking about petty, unnecessary, or at best, secondary things while Jesus is saying, hey, come on back. I'm right here in the presence and the peace, not in all the the unproductive conversations and fights you're getting into. He will isolate you. Say it with me. Say reset. He will insulate you. I'm not going to read the verse. I'm going to challenge you to go home and read it. With your family tonight. Daniel 3 is a beautiful story. Some of you have been in church long enough, probably know it. In Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to erect this 90 foot statue. He directed this night. He wanted to, he, this big old statue, and he said, everybody... Everybody needs to bow down to it when the, basically, let me make it 2022 for you. When the beat drops, you better drop it like it's hot. Or you're going to get put in a fire furnace and be hot. And these three Jewish kids that were actually enslaved in Israel, or or they were slaves in Babylon, they were Israelite, said, no, we're not going to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar intimidates them because this is a power movie, tries to. He says, um, He says, I'm going to give you one more shot to bow down and to worship the idol that I've called you to worship or you're going to get thrown in the furnace. I love this statement because this is the way I live my life. This is the way I live every part of my life. It's the only way to really truly live in peace and trust him. (laughs) They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, basically we hear you. Our God is able to save us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will not bow down to your idol. Nebuchadnezzar said that he was, had, he was so angry, like you could see, it was like that type of anger where your face changes, your countenance changes. And the fire, they lit the furnace so hot that the people that threw them in the fire were killed because that's what bitterness does in your life. If you don't heal, you're gonna hurt the people that love you the most. Casualty. There's always casualties when you won't heal. When you stay hurt. That's why hurting people hurt people. There's casualties. Threw him in there. King Nebuchadnezzar says, weren't there three? Weren't there three? There's four now. Twelve times in the Old Testament, I believe twelve times, the angel of Yahweh appears. The angel of Yahweh, for those who don't know, is the pre-incarnate Jesus. Is Jesus before he became a man. 
Jesus was in that fire with them. He did not save them from the fire. He sent them in the fire and they saved the entire nation of Babylon because when they come out of the fire, Nebuchadnezzar declares that our nation will now serve the God of Israel because he showed himself strong. I'm gonna tell you, there are some fires in your life that God is not gonna save you from. He's gonna send you right in them. He'll be there with you and it won't, he will insulate you. He will protect you. It will hurt, but it will not kill you. Say reset. They thought they killed Jesus, and technically they did, but they just set him loose. They just set him loose. God sent them into a fire. And their attitude was, God, even if, hey, even if you don't save us from this, we are still going to be faithful. Even if you let me go bankrupt, I'm still going to be faithful. Even if this sickness doesn't leave my body, I'm going to be faithful while I'm hurting. Even if my marriage falls apart because my spouse doesn't get on the same page, I am going to be faithful. You need some fires in your life. This ain't a popular message. I'll get you, hey, come back in the next, come back next week. I'll give you a popular bang up where you're like on your feet. I'll do that. I ain't doing it this week. You need some fires. Say it with me. Say, I need a reset. Why don't you say it with some confidence? I need a reset. You need it. You need it, y'all. I needed the last two years. I needed the last two years. God God broke my heart. There's some things I never thought would happen. I needed it. God refocused. God reset me. He refocused me and he reminded me of why I do what I do and who I do it for. And I don't ever want to look back because he loved me enough to take the rug out from under me and to remind me, you don't do this for the crowds. If there's two people in there, you're going to preach with all you got. You don't do this for popularity because if I did, I would have crashed out of, crushed out of, crashed out of ministry a long time ago. You needed it. Say it with me. Say, I need it. There's some fires you need. We are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony that we hated our life even under death. Listen to me. You need some fires. I love the scripture. It says, remove the impurities from the silver and the silver will be ready for the silversmith. God is going to let fire refine you. He's going to purify you. This season of COVID, whatever season you're in or will be in, He is resetting your life. You got to let it fight for you. You've got to quit fighting against Him. Say it, reset. Reset. He is refining you, man. Grapes have to be crushed before grape juice comes out of them. God is doing some things in your life and you need to quit making, trying to make sense out of it and you need to know that he's resetting you. And I know it doesn't feel good. Trust me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in that fire. Elijah had to come down off that mountain to obey God. And check this out. God isolated Elijah and he would do more ministry and more miracles and he would mentor a man named Elisha who would do double the miracles in ministry and God himself would escort Elijah to heaven by chariots of fire. Say reset. That doesn't happen without a reset. That doesn't happen without Elijah saying, I gotta come back to you, Lord. I gotta get my crap together. I'm coming to the table. I'm not, better moves, better shots. God wants to get you to a place. The woman with the alabaster, alabaster 
jar of perfume, man. She came in that uppity up party. She wanted Jesus. We know that she had a bad reputation. We don't know if it was Mary Magdalene or a prostitute, but we know history tells us that's the rumor. But all we know is nobody in that party, they didn't want her there. They didn't want them dating her, her dating their sons, but she didn't care what they thought. She came into that party, this high politicking party. She cried at his feet. She cried at his feet, washed his feet with her tears, clean, dried them with her hair, and poured a year's worth of wages of ointment to say, I want you. I don't care what they think. How's it been working out caring about what everybody thinks? How's it been working out trying to live up to everybody else's expectations of success and significance? It doesn't. That woman just wanted him. And in Mark chapter 9, this man whose son had been sick since he was a child and Jesus healed him, but he was exhausted and he cried out to God honest. He said, God, I believe, help my unbelief. He was saying, God, I'm exhausted. I'm hurting. I don't even know if you can do it. I don't believe you can do it, but I want to believe it. Can you help me with my unbelief? Reset. Will you stand here? Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.